I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest episode where we look at some of the most recent news stories from the world of film and TV. In today's show, Scooby-Doo and Crypto team up. The Spy Kids are back. A bunch of Sony movies have been delayed. We've got our first look at Saw X, or Saw 10. And is Gal Gadot still Wonder Woman? Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Street Podcast. So, Jason, how about you kick things off? What is our first movie topic? Well, let's try and answer that question I just proposed uh, or just asked. I don't know. Wonder Woman actress Gal Gadot. Now, she's claiming she's claimed that a third film is on the way under James Gunn and Peter Safran's new DCU, DCU leadership. Now, of course, as we know, uh, we're, we're pretty much going in clean slate. Maybe a few exceptions here because James Gunn likes to give his wife work. And uh, no, nah, that's not it. But um, look, there's a Peacemaker and then stuff, Amanda Waller. There's a few connections sort of coming through, maybe doing something with Blue Beetle, whatever. But essentially, we've had to sit here and go, do you know what? As much as it pains us, we're okay with the fact that Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck are not coming back as Superman and Batman because we're starting fresh and it's something that's needed. It's evident yeah. we need to restart the DC uh, film universe. It just has to happen. So what the hell is this shit? What is this shit, right? <laughs> What's going I know. on? It's, um, has, someone, it's... <laughs> has someone just been whispering in her ear being like, please, yeah, yeah, there'll be a third movie. Keep doing these cameos. Keep doing the cameos. It's fine. There'll be a third movie. <laughs> it's problematic isn't it you've said cavill affleck i mean dc's trinity superman batman wonder woman we're getting a new superman with superman legacy but we're not just getting the new superman in that film we're getting other dc characters we're getting green lantern guy gardner we're getting hawk girl metamorpho so they're building a new dcu this is just confusing, and I thought that was the point of what they were doing with DC Studios and having a point of saying actors, live-action animation, whether it's animated movies, TV shows, video games, it's all the same actors. This is a big hangover from what started with Zack Snyder, having his Wonder Woman in James Gunn and Peter Safran's DCU. I don't know about this. If it's going to be like a Flash thing, you know, there was different actors playing Batman in that movie. But why even do that? Why even complicate well, why things? The water? Why complicate it, yeah. should just be a clean slate. I really don't know about this because I've been so confident in what I've heard mainly from James Gunn, like he seems to be the mouthpiece of the two, whether it's an interview, social media. I've been liking what's been said, the direction and everything, but this is a massive curveball. Like, well, oh, then man. it goes back to it. Has James Gunn said anything about a third Wonder Woman film starring Gal Gadot? Look, there, there will be another Wonder Woman movie, and I guess technically it will be the third live-action Wonder Woman movie, but... 
your continuity sort of thing, all that. So maybe maybe it's Chinese whispers, maybe it's a little bit of a little bit of telephone or whatever that game's called. I don't know. Or someone has just been kind of throwing Gal Gadot bone, but isn't really, you know, sort of the same of, yeah, Ezra Miller could definitely come back as the Flash. No, he's not. He's ain't you know, coming back as the Flash. What you said about James Gordon, like to my knowledge, no. But what I do know of him is very quick to shut down things that aren't true. And mm. so I don't know. But from what we've been told, Wonder Woman 3 is on the way. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we know that the first phase of Gods and Monsters, that's what they're calling it, is going to be made up of Superman Legacy, Swamp Thing, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Stormwatch, and Batman the Brave and the Bold. That's going to take years. That is not (laughs) going to be a quick thing for them to put out. So she's not included in that. So she's even after that. So who knows? Like you say, maybe they're just wanting to keep her engaged. I don't know. Or they could they could really do a you know do an Elseworlds where they just have one final. But again, why would it's confusing it's different to have these Elseworld tales with uh, you know like Matt Reeves as the Batman or you know like the the Joker and like Joker and stuff, but going back to the let's call it like the the Snyder the Snyderverse you know well like it makes it makes no sense maybe 10 15 years from now where it's like let's do one you know like revisit of that something exciting different but not not anytime soon it's not gonna happen not whilst they're trying to set this universe in motion and, and get it get it going it's not gonna happen Okay, then. (laughs) Crisis on Infinite Earths and Watchmen are the upcoming 2024 animated movies. What's interesting about this is they've been doing, this is Warner Brothers Animation, for maybe five films a year. That's if we're taking into consideration the Tomorrowverse continuity, most recently Justice League War World, but then there's the Catwoman Hunted anime movie, the that Ruby Justice League crossover that I watched, you didn't. You don't need to. It's not a good movie. Well, they've been putting a lot of animated movies out each year. And this announcement next year, they're doing two. Crisis on Infinite Earths. My guess is that will be the final film in the Tomorrowverse continuity. To give it its full title, it is Justice League, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then Watchmen, whether it's an adaption of the 12-part comic or whether it's a prequel movie, sequel movie, whatever it's going to be. I mean, they had that really good live-action TV show on HBO. I thought that was fantastic. But I think that this Crisis movie could end Tomorrowverse. I mean, it's also been said that DC Studios scrapped an animated adaption of the acclaimed miniseries Kingdom Come, 
which would have been released under the DC Universe animated original movies banner. So that would have come after Crisis. So that's a story, if you're unfamiliar, years in the future where the heroes we know today, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the rest of the Justice League, they're now a lot older and they're not they're no longer active superheroes. And there's new superheroes on the scene, but they're a lot more violent. So then the older heroes put on the costumes again and and stand up to these younger heroes. It's a whole thing. Maybe, <laughs> but maybe that's a thing that James Gunn would like to do in live action down the line. So, but it's been taken off the board. And again, I think Crisis is going to end the yeah. Tomorrowverse. And look, it makes sense, as we're saying, you know, like this the the James Gunn and Peter Safran new DCU sort of run it's they they want to be starting as fresh as possible and that of course as it leads into the the animated stuff as well they kind of need to put a pin in that don't they they need to need to essentially kill it off so yeah they could be i I think you're right still dc animated in a way but the uh the first trailer for scooby-doo and crypto 2 finds mystery incorporated investigating the the disappearance of the Justice League. So this is this is a, a movie. Um, it will be available on digital and DVD only at well, it says Walmart on the twenty sixth of September, but I'm sure we will get it in some other capacity, not through Walmart because we don't have those. Yeah, I think our equivalent would be we'll Big W, but they don't do DVDs <laughs> no, or Blu-rays we'll just, anymore. We'll just get it. We'll just get it where we get all our other movies. At the moment. Play. I'm just kidding. No, like... <laughs> Is that even still a like thing? Amazon. I don't know. It'll be on... We have so many streaming services. Who needs the part? It'll be on Amazon or Binge or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll get it somewhere. JB Hi-Fi. iTunes. <laughs> JB Hi-Fi. The reason... Yeah, still bringing us physical media, except for Disney. Uh, <laughs> Is that a story? Did I suppose? It's not a story, but... <laughs> Well, that's a whole thing. Can I pitch about it here? Well, Disney, (laughs) in their infinite wisdom, have decided Australia only, for now, they are stopping physical release media. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be the last thing that you can pre-order. Nothing else from Disney in Australia. Apparently... Local distributors have reached out. Disney have said no. It's a whole thing. But you know what? We're here to talk about Scooby-Doo and Crypto (laughs) 2. And I honestly thought you were giving your... I thought you were building your own segue on the back of James Gunn talking about Crisis, bringing an end potentially to the Tomorrowverse. And then we're talking Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2 which, as you know, that was the movie that got took off the board. They were no longer mm. going to release it. It was cancelled, said to be a tax write-off, although a writer of the movie has come out and said that was never the case. But around the time of the Batgirl movie, the live-action film being cancelled, this also got cancelled. But now it's got a trailer, it's got a release date, but it, this film, the timing on the back of Super Pets, which was a good movie, and obviously Crypto, a main character in that, this is not that continuity, but it made sense for, you know, direct a home release, make a Crypto movie. 
It looks fun. You've got Superman villains. You've got General Zod, Norm, Ursa. That's fun. You've got Joker, the Scooby gang. This looks good. I remember we reviewed Scooby-Doo. Was it Scooby-Doo Meets or Scooby-Doo and Batman the Brave and the Bold? That was a fun movie. They just work yeah, well together. Yeah. Batman, the Scooby gang, but this time we've got Crypto. I, I... Like I'm watching, I'm watching this trailer, and look, it it does just kind of feel like another animated director home Scooby Doo movie. Like that's what it feels like. There is the novelty of having, you know, like the DC crossover thing, which again, like you said, we've seen before. So yeah, not really anything new there. But I'm watching this, and then as a dad, I'm like, cool. This is something that I can put on for my son. He's almost three, and he's going to watch this. He likes Super Pets. He knows Crypto. He hasn't there really gotten go. into Scooby-Doo yet, but the animated dog, a bunch of other colorful characters. He's going to recognize some of the Batman characters as well that are in there because he's been watching Batman things. Probably too young, but, you know, what are you going to do? This so what is saying... something that I'm watching this, and watch this yep. is like... I don't want to review it, man. I don't want to review so it. So what you're saying, <laughs> stay tuned for our review. You uh, know, wait, you, what you're saying uh, now, <laughs> with what you're saying there, it looks like <laughs> just another, you know, direct-to-home release Scooby-Doo movie. Like can I just say? The animation quality? Can I just say? fine. I really like them. I generally really <laughs> like them. My youngish There's is now six. There's a lot of Scooby-Doo movies, though, aren't there? They do a couple yeah. a year. And, you know, Matthew Lillard always <laughs> comes back as Shaggy, you know, ever since he played live-action Shaggy in the James Gunn-written Scooby-Doo movie. Point, or... It's been him. Yeah. It's been him before. It was yeah. Casey Kasem, who was going back to the 70s. But honestly, I enjoy these movies. So whenever they come out, mm. You know, we had, what was it called? The Happy Halloween one. Anyway, it, and that one had Jonathan Crane Scarecrow in it. But the fun, I do like the Scooby-Doo movies. So whenever they, they come out. There's quite a lot of Batman crossovers with them. But it, it works, right? There's that whole detective element. I think it goes back you know, like the to the, and... the 70s. I think they did, and they put it out as a DVD first on on yeah, it was, VHS. It, called, it was just Batman and Scooby Doo, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched it again Batman recently. It's um, it's Batman meets Scooby. Oh no, Scooby Doo meets Batman, and essentially Dracula killer or something, or is that something different? Or that, that was that was the Batman TV series. They did a feature length version where he met Dracula. It's a different thing. Oh, sure. Okay, but anyway, there, there's there's a history <laughs> of Scooby Doo meeting Batman that goes all the way back to the seventies. So I'm here for it. We need to move on. We've spent way too much time on this new story. <laughs> We've had our first look at Robert Rodriguez Spy Kids Armageddon. It will be premiering September 22nd on Netflix. Now, my six-year-old again. We sat down and watched all four Spy Kids movies. She started watching the animated series on Netflix and she really likes them, and there's is things an to like. Series? There is an animated what? series. There's things to like, and Robert Rodriguez brings so much 
to it. Like, you know that he's got his studio. He mostly shoots it all there. You know, whether it's like his more adult movies or his kids' movies, and he's a very talented guy. He can do a lot, but not a lot of money. Like, he's really good at that. He does his own editing, all of that. But what those first, let's say three movies, because the fourth movie had John McHale. This movie's got Zachary Levi. The first three, Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek. They had really solid casts. So when I was watching them with my kid, they were a lot of fun. Seeing this trailer, I'm sure, you know, there's enough here for kids to like just like those first four movies, but I just don't know. There's, I like that he's still yeah, directing it, but it seems not quite what they were doing with those first movies. I mean, like, when I look back at the, like, especially the first two, because the third one is is kind of just like, hey, capitalising on uh, really shitty 3D stuff, but... Yeah, I know, but it's it, Stallone as multiple villains. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And it's still it's still those original kids and all that. And like you said, like Banderas and, and stuff. I go like if I ever go back and watch them, it's sort of like they're, they're still very much kids' movies. They're they're really silly, but they're a bit of fun, and there's a little bit of nostalgia for what they are. I'm not really interested in more spy kids that isn't that. Like okay, it, it I I get it. There's 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 fun to be had with like kids being spies like the concept there and it and it works for kids but me watch australia i was like this looks shit <laughs> there's nothing in this that appeals or looks great um and you know what uh, uh, blink and you miss it like nothing when i was like i wasn't even registering that that was zachary levi like i know it's him but i'm like nothing's making me go wow this is this is really a, a zachary levi movie and it's, he's doing some great stuff i was like it just literally could just be played by any dude and that's that's just the vibes i was getting i was like there's nothing here there is nothing here so good on your netflix i'm sure kids will enjoy it because hey look kids doing spy shit is fun and i've got Not kids so okay. i'll be watching it just realized i um... not my kids are still the scooby-doo crypto age not the there you go the well mine Six and eleven. I just realized I got mixed up with my Robert Rodriguez movies and Antonio Banderas. So I said Salma Hayek for that first Spy Kids movie. I was thinking Desperado. It was actually Carla <laughs> Gugino or Gugino. Of course, the mum, yeah. That's it. That's who was in in that one. But there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, but look, what we've got, Scream 7 is officially in the works uh, with Happy Death Day and Freaky director Christopher Landon, who's taking over directing duties from the duo known as Radio Silence. So obviously Scream is having a bit of a more rapid fire comeback, you know, like when when we got like that fourth entry, it was a bit of a bit of delay between, you know, the third and fourth movie that it very much was like, ooh, a revival, a reboot. Uh Five and six, or well, Scream and then Scream Six, like they've just pretty much a year apart. Um, and Seven's obviously on the way, but they're mixing it up. So they've been pretty good as last two entries. Like, I mean, they're not very. Like, I'd say them to mom and be like the best. No, I'd say good, very good. Right? I'd I'm say like, very good. You're 
Yes, that's a we, good, but that's okay. We can do We reviewed Scream, <laughs> the fifth film. We didn't do six because one of us didn't see it at the cinema on time. So we didn't do six, but I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. They moved well. it from Woodsboro to the city. And I, I did. I really liked it. That's why I'm a little bit surprised that the guys, the duo that directed those two, are not coming back for this one. Something that's something that's been missing a little bit from at least the most recent two movies, which you know what, yeah, you're right. Like they're pretty damn good, especially like with the horrors, the horror elements and stuff like that. But what the original Scream movies really started as, right, was that comedic element, the satire of it all and hey if we got the director who helmed happy death day and freaky i think that's a really good match like i can really see scream sort of going back to hey let's have some cheeky fun with with this let's make ghostface up and not too much but let's make ghostface a bit of a goofball again and and have just have some silly violent fun yeah, I'm. I'm liking. I'm liking this choice. Uh, I am I here good, for that. I see good things. I really like Christopher London. I enjoyed. We have a ghost, which was the PG horror movie you made with Dave Harbour for Netflix. That was. Um, that was a good movie. Happy Death Day, Freaky. I mean, the original title of Freaky was Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. And when you're watching the movie, you get it completely. He is absolutely a Jason Voorhees-type character, played by Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I love the movie Freaky, and I really love the Happy Death Day movies. And I remember Landon, in interviews, he was saying ahead of Freaky that those two movies are in the same universe. And going into Freaky, <laughs> oh, well, that would be cool. Like, he's building his own little thing. I'm excited for what he can bring to a screen movie for the, the reasons you've given. But it it kind of means that we really might not get that third Happy Death Day movie. That first movie that was is so time, good. Yeah. And then the second movie, I love that so much. It's such a good movie. And then yeah. Freaky. They are great films. So he is a very good writer, director, working in the horror genre. So I am excited to see what it can bring to a screen movie because you're right, bringing in that fun, that satire, you know, what Craven brought to those first movies. But it means that he's not going to be working on his own projects, at least for a little while. Yeah, you're right. And I think the more years we get separated from that last um, Happy Death Day film, just with the type of movies and settings and stuff that it was in, I think the high chance we're not going to get that part three, which is a shame because they're pretty damn fun. Well, that's it for the biggest film news stories. Now for the rest of the film news, what do we got? Um, new details about Ben Affleck's cancelled Batman movie suggest it would have put a new spin on 80 years of Batman mythology, pulling from different eras to approach Bruce Wayne's story from a whole new perspective. I mean, there's a lot there. It's 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 easy to just say it just pulls from all the mythology, but, I mean, it sounds pretty epic. It sounds very character-driven, dive into the mythos and what makes him. It's easy to say, yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> that's That's it. Yeah, I mean, it really, 
it sounds fun. Like it, it really does. Like going through the the history of Batman and putting it all in one movie. But people are talking about this again because, I mean, Gal Gadot. They're talking about another Wonder Woman movie, and David Ayer on Twitter is talking about his cut of Suicide Squad, the unseen version. He mentioned that. James Gunn has said his cut of the film would have its time to be shared. So as much as what Warner Brothers want is for DC Studios to pave its own way, starting with you know Superman Legacy, we're still having conversations about Affleck's Batman, a potential Wonder Woman 3, release the air cut, as much as they try, they're still struggling <laughs> to get away from what Zack Snyder started. That's why a clean break would have been the right thing to do. Let's just admit, we, we, we all want that air cut, though, right? I mean, that Suicide Squad movie could only be better. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? While we're at it, release the Schumacher cut, Batman Forever. Just, oh, just get it all done. <laughs> just get give us done. And give hey, it like... all. It's not like the Snyder Cut. You don't have to spend $70 million to finish it. They're pretty much done. Maybe jump in there and pull it up a bit. But... Apparently not. Oh, Kevin, no. Kevin Smith. No, no, no. Kevin Smith oh, has a with, copy. With, with, with the Schumacher. Yes, there. the Schumacher cut. Yeah, that's what I think we're talking about. Yeah, Kevin Smith has a copy. He's been showing it at uh, Smod Castle, which is his cinema in New Jersey that he bought. It shows mm. new movies and older movies. And he talks about it in his podcast. He basically said, come to one of these shows. We will charge you for that show. Stick around. We may or may not show you the Schumacher cut. If we do, we're not going to charge you for it. We're not saying we are, but we might. And I guess that's kind of legally how he's getting around it. He's not actually paying or having people pay to watch it. But everyone because he, who's in there has paid him something. Well, they're not paying for that. They're paying for what they went to watch. Yeah. They just happen to not leave the cinema. It's like instead of waiting for a they're Marvel post credit scene, they're waiting for the Schumacher cut. <laughs> anyway, Skylar Gisondo is currently the top choice to play Jimmy Olsen in Superman Legacy. I think he's a really good choice. One, I generally like the guy in everything I've seen him in, and he has freckles. Perfect, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I mean, look, if, if we're literally just going on looks alone and he's acting, like, fine. Yeah, look, he's that kid from vacation. He's that kid from the resort. You know, like, he's... He, it looks apart, I guess. Yeah, it does. My only concern but, is... How much younger would he be than the actors that have cast as Superman and Lois? But I suppose in the that animated series, My Adventures with Superman, the fairly close in age, that would be my only thing because you always see Jimmy being younger than Clark. Like they're not the same age. This, with this Skyler guy, though, I think he can. I think he can portray younger than he actually is because he is quite youthful looking and because he's kind of squirmish and stuff like he so i think he they could say he's you know five years six years younger than than the actors they've got lined up for lois and, and clark and they can get away with it but, um all right teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem is getting a sequel and its own paramount plus 
series and i wish we could sit here and say yeah the movie's great this makes complete sense but um you know we've, we've got to wait we've got to wait like a month the sons of bitches good point <laughs> i've got beef with parliament but, we have to wait until yeah. september 9th and then warner brothers not letting you off the hook we need to wait until september 14th all right, so What's we've, going we've on? got beef with Paramount, we've got beef with Warner Brothers. I'm pissed off at Disney at the moment. Who's left? Um... I mean, Sony. <laughs> let's let's talk. Okay, before you know we what? do that, but Turtles, though. That I... movie, <laughs> legitimately, it looks like a good movie. I can see why Paramount would be quick to greenlight a sequel. What's interesting, though, the, the Paramount Plus TV series, I very much doubt it would have the quality of animation that we're going to get in that no, movie. But what it is having, the same actors who voiced the Turtles in the movie oh. are back for the TV show. So at least you're going to have that continuity set in that world. So that is pretty cool. The characters, so the, movie, the, setting, the actors, that's, that's good. Yep, you see the movie on the big screen. To keep kids engaged, they can watch the show weekly at home. So I do like that. But unfortunately... We do need to wait a month before we go watch. But look, a bloody the, movie. The buzz about the buzz about this movie is is pretty damn good for those countries it is, yeah. and in the rest of the world that have watched it. Like potentially one of the best turtles movies, like which is big surprise. Um, but yeah, so who would have thought? I, I have I have no beef with Sony at the moment. Although I still don't really forgive them for Morbius. Um, well, hang anywho. on. Sony Pictures yeah. is delayed. The release of Ghostbusters Afterlife, the sequel, from December twentieth, twenty twenty-three to March twenty-nine, twenty twenty-four. So there we go. So it was dead a Christmas me. movie. Now it's March, but I mean, keep in mind, this is the first studio. We've got the strikes going on still. This is the first studio to announce delays. I'm sure there's going to yeah. be more, but the start to be Ghostbusters. Damn it. Sony has also delayed the release of Craven the Hunter from October 6th, 2023 to, to August 30th, 2024. That's fine, I guess. Bad Boys 4 is now <laughs> scheduled <laughs> to release on June 14th, 2024. Get this up. Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has been delayed indefinitely. Dead to me. Wow. All of these movies. I think A24, you got my money. Uh, what movie you got coming? I'll watch that. I'll Talk that. to me. And one of the executive like, producers of that works on the Bluey show. Very Australian. Horror <laughs> movie. Talk <laughs> to me. A24, Look, they've this, got that coming out. This, I mean, that, that I mean, hooray. Always, always bad to hear about delays for, for whatever reason, just because we're, we're needy. We, we want the stuff now. Give it to me. Um, even like, look, with, with Spider-Man, because of the strikes, sat people, you know, like actors can't work. And I think I read, I heard that they hadn't even completed all the voice work for, for the movie. Okay. They literally don't know when, why announce a new release date if they can't get get it to where it needs to be. That's fine. Or maybe there's some animation issues. And, and it all is that. animation. It is animation. It's, it's not an, just voice cool. actors. It's okay, so animation they over, issues. They overexerted themselves. Over, the over one hundred animators worked on across so, the I mean, Spider Verse. And, and look, we're going to get a good, we're going to get a fantastic product at the end of it. All good with the rest of these, though. I think it might come down to. I think most of these movies are like 
hey, they're done in the can. Nothing more needs to be, nothing needs to happen except we need to promote these movies, market them, get them out, and they're not going to be able to do press tours and stuff with their actors. Their actors cannot promote these movies. So they're probably thinking, hey, and look, it's costly to move a movie. You can't just change release dates like that. Like it, 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 it's, it costs money, but they probably wind it up being like, no, I'd rather have my actors talking about this movie, selling it that way, move the date, move it, it to. It makes sense. It's still disappointing. I mean, look at Oppenheimer. Nine at the end of it, but uh, yeah. Oppenheimer, premier in the UK. The director, Christopher Nolan, the cast, walking the red carpet. Before the movie was shown, the strike happened and the cast walked off. Yeah. So, but hey, look, yeah, they still got to. I mean, by that stage, the movie's out, it's done, it's there. The uh, that was a headline in itself, and of course, you know what, Oppenheimer did fine, it had enough of uh, the Barbenheimer marketing to keep it, <laughs> to keep it going. It did fine, it's fine. Um, all right, hey, look, we got our first look at Tobin Bell's. Return as Jigsaw in Saw. Are we calling it Saw X? Are we calling it Saw Ten? What are we going with? Saw X. It's yeah, in the vein of Fast X. It is Saw Ten. Sure, but it's Saw, Saw X. X. <laughs> the latest installment in the Saw franchise will release one month early on September 29th, probably November for us because who the hell knows? As <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> no, this, you know, the last Saw movie very different it was spiral it was it, yeah. was it was yeah spiral it was high you know quality wise was ramped up they it, it looked glossy it was shiny it was very weird uh chris rock samuel jackson in it you know like big hollywood leads like what is going on very different movie i had some issues with it but overall it was like yeah it's a fun movie this seems like a bit of return to form it's it's a prequel of such because obviously Jigsaw's back. He's not dead. Spoilers, but it's been many years. I don't give a shit. Apparently, um, it's between one and two. Apparently, that's where it takes place. Cool. So, yeah, like they're talking about things like with his cancer and all that kind of stuff. And it almost seems like it's like his first trap or an early. And this could even have flashbacks within itself. The the surprise, well, not really surprise, but like you know, you get to see the I forget the I forget the actress's name, the the chick from Becca, <laughs> the the apprentice, Amanda. You know I think it's Amanda. Amanda. There we go. <laughs> I forget the actress's name though. She shows up in the yeah, trailer at the end. Like, so you watched the trailer? Yeah? I did watch the trailer. And you know this what? Looked pretty Mate, fun. This look, fun. the yeah. trailer looks like the movie. The trailer to me screams like a studio I tried is concerned to... that people are not going to turn up, so they're just going to show you yeah, everything. Right. They show you but so you know much in this trailer, and it got to the end of the trailer, and I thought, do you know what? Normally, I don't like to be spoiled, but I really don't care because I'm done. To be honest, I don't need to see not this much movie. In this, there's not much in this that really spoils too much because, again, it's... It's a it shows so much. Jigsaw, yeah, which but... we've kind of seen anyway. I know. There wasn't any reveals in this. But there's characters, the doctors. And again, I'm past caring. I checked out Spiral out of curiosity. Still really like that first movie. It was a mm. moment in time. Watching that in a packed cinema, the reveal, excellent. But Saw, I don't need it. Now, do you know what? 
I don't know. I'm there for it. I feel like it's back. I'm like, this is this is my soul. I'm there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we will review it then. Watch this space because one of us is clearly excited. And that's it for film news. Now on to TV news. All right. Well, Tom Hiddleston is back in the first trailer for Loki season two. And in it, what we've got, we've got our first look at Kihi Kwan as Obi in. Of course, that show. Um, he's, I mean, he's short round. I can't remember the kid's name from, what was he called in Goonies? What was he called in Goonies? Data. Data, that's it. And of course, he's had a big <laughs> moment in, um, I'm an idiot, um, a big moment in everything, everywhere, all at once. Best supporting actor. It's his time. So great to see him breaking into the MCU. It's a shame it's on an MCU Disney Plus television show. But no, hey, listen, what? we did as both enjoy. Music, we music, enjoy music. No, we enjoyed Loki season one. Yeah. Look, I had I had some issues with it, but I think I've, I'm probably over the um, all my multiverse concerns, and it's it is what it is. It's like let's just get it done now. Watching this trailer, I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty pumped for this, and that's. That's the problem, right? I'm bitching about all these MCU shows, um, but then there's a trailer for the next one, and I'm like, yep, I'll be there. <laughs> to be we'll fair, though, this is we'll the all be there. season. <laughs> this is the first season two of yes. one of their Disney Plus MCU shows. So that's, that's something interesting. And hey, we've been waiting for a while. You know, there's all that stuff going on about... Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Majors with the, you know, the Kang character, but it's very exciting to get more of him in this. Let's just put that out there. Oh, Wilson. We just, Tom Wilson. We, there's, there's so much going on. There is. There's a lot to like. You mentioned Jonathan Majors. Let's just talk about that for a moment because there's, there's a lot of unknowns around him exactly. as an actor. Exactly. His potential future involvement in the, in the MCU because They've been building towards Kang since Loki season one. We got Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. The final scene, the post credit scene, is at the end of this trailer, which is a bit disappointing because it's like we've seen it. <laughs> we saw that scene with Loki, with Owen Wilson's character. I'm blanking on his name, but we saw them... Seeing Kang, Mobius, that's it. We saw them at the end of Guardians 3. Not Guardians 3. At the Ant-Man 3. We saw it at the end of Ant-Man 3. <laughs> I, I recently rewatched Guardians. Loved it, by the way, that second viewing. Just as much as I did that first viewing. But we've seen Kang already. So they're obviously continuing. But when they released Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania on Disney+, Plus, posters screenshots no Kang they took it out of the marketing yeah, they're, they're the, definitely you can't they're definitely do, reducing but you can't do that with Loki season 2 because he's obviously in it isn't it and look they're they're playing it I think the best way they can it's like look we don't know how it's going to go if we if we abandon the guy and it turns out everything's all good with him we're going to look like dicks um, if we if we just press on and pretend like nothing's happening at all, and then turns out that like you know what he's getting charged for things, and we're gonna have to cut ties. Cool, we'll have to 
obviously deal with that when it happens. But at the moment, it's still very unknown. So they're kind of like, oh, look, we'll just do what we can. We don't need to put him in our marketing. He'll still be in the products that he's already in. And we'll press on the best we can. Like, that. that's all they really can do until they know more. And, look, let's hope the guy's, you know, not getting done in for stuff. But, look, if, if he's done what he's been said has been done, then he's got to face those consequences. That's just the fact. But this, i got to say, this show looks fun. Look, Loki's getting zapped around. There's something happening. Very, very Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse kind of. Not quite the same, but a little bit. There's obviously some issue with whatever's going on with him. He's fragmenting. There's some things here. Sylvie's back. I kind of forgot what she looked like. I was like, is that the same actress? I'm like, no, yeah, it is. It looks That's how long it's been. It's been like has it been like three years. Uh, it's been a while, been? but it's she's got she's got bangs. She's got like a Stranger Things vibe <laughs> where you see her in the trailer. But I'm here yeah. for it. Like you. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. It looks good. But you said it's the first. Marvel Studios show to get a second season. I am Groot is returning for season two, <laughs> which will make That's it true. and the second Marvel Studios show to get a second season. And before, right? Before. But look, this is a little bit different. It's I mean it's animated. I mean it's... it is the animated shorts, but it counts. It's coming back it... for season two, hitting Disney Plus September 6th. Yeah, I look, I'm all, I'm all for it. It was a fun little a fun little adventure we had with little Groot in that in that first season. This will be another little, like you know, I'll spend an afternoon on whatever day it lands, just watching them all. I liked That'd it. Good. I enjoyed. I think of my life. <laughs> oh, in fact, we reviewed it, didn't we? On sounds like comics. You um, I'm did pretty we? sure you did. I'm, well, there is a review that How I did. did I'm we? pretty sure. How did we... Squeeze a whole episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were a guest on that episode, but I am grew. I was able to watch it with my youngest. It was her first exposure to the MCU, and on the back of that, because I'm not going to sit down with her and watch Iron Man. She's six, but we watched <laughs> I Am Groot, and as soon as we watched the final episode, we watched the opening of Guardians Volume Two. Where you got baby group dancing, you got the alien, the big sure. monster. Uh, that's as far as she's got with the MCU for now. But it's a good entry point for a younger audience. Yeah. And I've got to say, like, um, we said it with that first season, like, even though it's animated, it's it's 100 percent animated, you wouldn't know. You could put it in front of someone and be like, let's watch this thing. And they just think, oh yeah, this is just part of the because it looks the same. But that's what's so good about it 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 looks like it could be a part of the movies and that's what's that's what's so good about it and i like that even though we're watching these animated i am groot shorts vin diesel gets a credit for groot amazing (laughs) nice he's still doing like is he coming and recording new stuff i don't even know (laughs) Well, we recently, or we've got a review coming out, Sounds Like Comics, Secret Invasion. Toby Smulders is credited, I think, in every episode. So I think it's that thing. She might might actually appear in every episode, though. um, Are we going into spoilers? But um, But it's flashbacks. But anyway. 
whether it's flashbacks or she appears on like a video monitor or something. She, I, I mean, I guess it counts in every episode. In almost every episode. So maybe it's similar with Groot, like whether they're mm. repurposing or they've got Vin back in the studio to record new audio as baby Groot. Who knows? All right. Keith David will be joining Masters of the Universe Revolution as the villain Hordak. Which is pretty cool. Great actor, great voice. Hordak, who I first got introduced to watching the She-Ra animated series and the building towards something. Honestly, the first season of Masters of the Universe, that was Revelation. Season two is Revolution. The Kevin Smith He-Man series, I love so much on Netflix. And I'm really looking forward to this second season, but that first season was a who's who of voice actors. And you got your Mark Hamill's, Kevin Conroy. I mean, everybody was in that first season. But then looking at casting Hordak for the second season, Keith David, perfect. A new reboot of the cult classic cartoon, Biker Mice from Mars, is on its way from... Nacelle, which will be co-produced by Ryan Reynolds' production company, Maximum Effort. I remember the first animated series they did in the 90s. Loved back mice from Mars. Humanoid mice from Mars riding motorbikes on Earth. Amazing. I had the toys, watched the cartoon. <laughs> Years later, they did a reboot. I didn't see that one, but they're doing another one. And Ryan Reynolds, or his production company, is involved. Did you ever see this show? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think it was the original one. But you know, you mentioned the reboot. Maybe it was a reboot that I might have watched. Like, because it was fairly, I don't know, at least the original one was fairly early '90s. So it's, it's possible that was the reboot that I was watching. I didn't, re- I didn't get like hell into it, but. I remember it existing and it being a show that was on in the morning. That oh mate, I was I'll, on. That was, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get fully into it. <laughs> I was into it. Don't be surprised if I, I would, if I do a review of the '90s show on Sounds Like Comics at some point. Sure. The first show came out in '93, and the reboot was, or the remake, should I say, it was 2006. So maybe that's. Oh the no. Then, no, it was definitely the original one that I was watching then because it was, I was, and it must have been reruns of it in like the mid 90s because I was quite young. It was, and it was on like past in both versions, uh, Dorian Harewood and Rob Paulson. So that's pretty cool. They got the same cast back for the 2006 show, but it's coming back again. And it's just, it's a silly concept. Just, Oh, no, but so is like Ninja Turtles and stuff. And and I guess it's capitalizing on that same kind of concept humanoid animal characters doing crazy shit, like riding motorbikes. And they're from Mars for some reason. You know, (laughs) you mentioned Ninja Turtles. Nickelodeon has acquired the rights to the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series and now owns all. 193 episodes. It is slated to 
debut digitally later this month in the US, followed by Nickelodeon branded channels and digital platforms internationally. For us here in Australia, Paramount Plus. That's where I'm thinking we're going to get it. Have you? I don't know if you've ever, if if you've watched free to air television anymore, but remember there was a channel called Shake or Ten Shake or whatever. It has recently turned into Nickelodeon. Like it's called really? Nickelodeon. What free to air? just has, yeah, and it just has Nickelodeon shows. So it's like, wow, so I didn't got, know that. Recently, like it was a few nights ago, and it was like ten thirty or something, and I was just flicked. I was like, "What's on Nickelodeon?" Not playing an episode of Cat Dog. I was like, "What is <laughs> happening?" I was like, you know, right? The official Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles YouTube channel—that's a thing. They <laughs> have as one the video first season? uploaded. Well, it's not the first it's the season. Episode. It's the first five episodes of the first season. Oh. I found the first 13 episodes and wow. it was on the official Ninja Turtles episode and this okay. was a couple well, of days ago. So maybe maybe they've add, maybe, maybe that's what they're doing, they're maybe they're adding to it. But I watched it yeah. on Sunday, so not quite Saturday morning cartoons, but it was Sunday morning. <laughs> I made myself a coffee and I sat down and watched the first episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. For me in the UK, it had a different title. It was Teenage Mutant hero turtles and the song sang hero and not ninja the apparently the thought behind is that ninjas were too violent so they were made heroes in the uk i don't care i love that cartoon (laughs) speaking of speaking of the violence of ninja turtles so me and my almost three-year-old um when i discovered that you know the first 13 episodes of ninja turtles was on youtube i was like Come on, come here. Let's let's watch some Ninja Turtles. And you know, he watched the first episode, and then I realized I should probably stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, ah, there's a lot of there's a lot of punching and kicking, and I enjoyed it though. I, I it's been so yeah, long good. since I've seen it. Just yeah. the animation style, the voices, it's something it's something about that classic, like the classic look of them. And I, you know, this whole story is a really good education piece on how. You know, like copyright and production rights and distribution rights and stuff exist. Nickelodeon have been doing Ninja Turtles for years, probably decades, a couple of decades. It's it's funny to to think that it's like they haven't had the rights to distribute until yeah, it's a good point. Well, until yeah, now, it's but now they've acquired it, and it's it's a big it's a big thing for them. And again, you you mentioned like things like Paramount Plus and stuff, where a lot of Nick shows do fall under. It, it's just more ammunition for them to churn that out. So, yeah, I look forward to catching up on some old-school Ninja Turtles. Only in this past week here in Australia has Paramount Plus added the first three live-action Turtles movies, and they've added some more animated series as well. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're slowly building up because, I mean, Paramount, Nickelodeon, they have... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They should be the home of Turtles. So this is the only thing that they don't have, and it's coming. I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, like yourself, I'll just be watching episodes on YouTube. Well, that's it for the TV news. Now on to the recommends. 
you know we all love a we all love a good documentary that's um narrated by morgan freeman don't we so it's probably on hbo max because i'm pretty sure that's what this was made for but here in australia binge is where i came across this 100 years of warner brothers four episodes about an hour long each episode so it's about a four hour commitment they putting into it but as the title suggests 100 years of warner brothers big milestone this little documentary again narrated by the wonderful voice that is morgan freeman takes a historical look at the legacy of one of america's leading film studios the documentary explores the origin evolution and endurance of warner brothers from a family affair to a global juggernaut and legit it starts off with when like the you know the beginning of the motion pictures like and Warner Brothers being a key player a hundred years ago, um, it goes through a few like Keystone movies that really you know like it changed the the landscape of of the movie industry. Warner Brothers at us as a studio, there's heaps of and not just like token little interviews and stuff from you know some no name people. They've got some big they got some big stars and big players um offering some you know some interview and then little you know snippets of audio and their time which is great so this really is a quite a prestige little little doco it's not just a quick like piece together thing there's there's some good stuff um and yeah yeah it, it goes into sort of like the birth of like the the blockbusters you know like where Stanley Kubrick was, you know, doing his part and his influence on Warner Brothers, the Superman movie, all of that. I'm not sure if you've checked it out yet, but I'm thinking it's definitely in it's within your interests. So oh, you absolutely. No, I, I was watching it weekly. It, the day the episodes were released, I was watching it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Had me going back and what I've liked is, yes, here in Australia, it's on binge. And there's a lot of older Warner Brothers movies on binge, like Dirty Harry mm. and things like that. that I've got, oh, I'm actually going to go back and watch again. You know, films that maybe I watched because they were recommended when I was younger and thought maybe if I watched them now, I'd have revisit them appreciation now, like, yeah. and yeah, revisit them. So I watched it and I loved it. And at the moment, there's another one on the back of that. It's called Superpowered, the DC story. And it's pretty much what you're talking about there for Warner Brothers, but it's for DC but Comics. DC. And yeah. also it's a Max production. I'm enjoying that. Really enjoyed, you know, Warner Brothers 100 years. But at the same time, it does feel a little bit like damage control because it's like, hey, <laughs> let me just remind you of all the good movies that we've made over the last 100 yeah. years. You know what I mean? I mean Warner it Brothers is, I mean, now, they've got a massive hit with Barbie. It's made a billion dollars and it's and it's not slowing down. But Warner Brothers have also recently put out movies like The Flash. So it felt a bit oh, I mean, look, damage control. And they've had they've had a, a past few years, even like before the pandemic, during the pandemic, where you know you had like you had a telecommunications company running the show. They made a lot of backwards ass dumb decisions with things, you know, like releasing movies 
on the same day on HBO Max as in cinemas, just basically killing those movies on on arrival. Like some really dumb stuff, some really idiotic things. But having said, that, I mean, you can always look back and just remember, like as much as we can, and, and even also like, we can sit here and bitch about the company and then some dumb decisions they've made or some really shitty quality films that they've put out. But they have, of course, put through um, just an immense prestige catalogue of films. Oh, absolutely. Of course, just, like, just like any movie studio, lots of garbage as well at the same time. But some of the best, some of the best movies. And it said that... Know, like movies you should watch before you die. Like, yes. And it said during the documentary, there's certain movies that are getting made at Warner Brothers. And whether it's, you know, like prestige directors, actors, and they're saying this movie would not have got made at any other studio. You know, so it, it is it's impressive. So again, on one hand, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And it's had me going back, looking at the back catalogue. But then he also it absolutely because they're controlling the narrative as well. This is like this is Max. It. This it's is a documentary you know, about Warner Brothers made by Warner Brothers. Yes. <laughs> so of course well, you have to watch it with yeah. that sense of well. But it's a great recommend. And I yeah. thoroughly it, it, it's enjoyed it. Though. I'm going to recommend a podcast. Now, continue to listen to ours, but I'm going to recommend Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. We've reviewed it. I'll, I'll say it here. We both loved it. It's a big movie that came out. Everybody was talking about it until they weren't. Because <laughs> Oppenheimer happened, and there's been other movies coming out, and I don't know. Like I, I think timing was off for Dead Reckoning Part One because it should have performed better. I know it's still showing in some cinemas, but conversations have really died down. But there is this podcast which is bloody fantastic. Thoroughly enjoying this. Like Episode One, Tom Cruise. Christopher McQuarrie. Cruise comes back on multiple episodes. Like this is like a legit Mission Impossible podcast. Through exclusive interviews with cast and crew, super fans Charles Hood, who is a writer, director, and Drew Taylor, a film journalist, they take you inside the world of Ethan Hunt for an incredible look at the iconic characters, heart-stopping missions, jaw-dropping stunts, and behind-the-scenes secrets that have made the series a global phenomenon. So what's happened here? You have these two guys who for years had a unofficial Mission Impossible podcast. Dead Reckoning Part 1 was happening and they got approached and now they are on the official podcast. They're going to premieres to get an exclusive access. They've got all the cast. They've got one-on-one. -on -one. It is it is excellent. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But if I could just tell you one story, Ghost Protocol was the movie that Christopher Quarrie was writing, not directing. It was Brad Bird. And conversations were had between Macquarie and Cruz about potentially directing another movie. At that point, Macquarie had only directed one movie, and Cruz said to him, hey, you should direct the next Mission Impossible movie. Cruz left the room. He made a call to Paramount. 
He re-entered the room and said to Macquarie, congratulations, you're directing the next Mission Impossible. Those guys clearly clicked. They had a way of working together and looking at Rogue Nation, Fallout, and now Dead Reckoning Part 1. Those guys, I mean, the movies are incredible. So this podcast, like The Fuse, is a real in-depth look at the making of all the movies. Episode 2, you got Simon Pegg. I mean, everybody's on it. Everybody is on these podcasts. So if you're interested in Mission Impossible like we are, I highly recommend that. It's like it's like movies don't do like they don't do a making of anymore and they don't do like commentary on like DVDs and Blu-rays. They just do a podcast. <laughs> and why the hell not? So that and sounds good. Thing. Find your own thing, Tom Cruise. <laughs> ah, well, look, I don't know. Like, we should just start doing commentaries. <laughs> For Tom Cruise movies. Let's uh, let's do that instead. Sure. Yeah, that. yeah. Just really just really send it home. Be it like, is yeah, we'll just it's, it's excellent. There's two actors in Dead Reckoning Part 1. One of the guys is like, I want to be in a movie with Tom Cruise and I want to fight Tom Cruise. I want to fight Ethan Hunt. And then another one of the guys is like, I want to be in a movie with Tom Cruise and I want to have a scene where I'm running with Ethan Hunt. <laughs> it's like... Oh, you! Know I would never want to be doing that because you'd just be outrun. But this, like, to... honestly, it's, it's all—it's <laughs> all in the podcast, right? If you're watching a movie and Tom Cruise is running, there's no yeah. way he's running once. Like he's going <laughs> multiple times. Like the guy's a machine. Anyway, check run... out that podcast. He runs with his arms, man. It's like <laughs> he's a good runner. It runs with all its being. <laughs> well, that's it for another episode of That Film Stew. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Justice League War World and stay tuned for our upcoming review of Meg 2 The Trench. Thanks for joining us for another round of movie and TV news. You've been listening to Luke. And you've been listening to Jason. We're the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon. <laughs>